you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey there, everybody. It is Tuesday, January 25th, 2022. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, where we give both teams a shot in overtime. I'm Marcus Grant, alongside Michael F. Florio. Producer Justin is at the controls. And, well, let's just let's just get into it, Florio. Um, you know, it, it, was, it was an entertaining weekend of football, uh, but I know for you it was... Uh, as big a gut punch as there is. And look, I, and I know the Titans lost, and, and I know Justin is certainly disappointed by what happened there, but I think universally everybody can say that nobody took a bigger gut punch than Bills fans this weekend. So here we are, what, 48 hours, based, not quite 48 hours removed from, from what happened. Uh, what, what is your mindset? How are you feeling right now? Uh, every time I think I'm like, I'm like over it, I see something else on Twitter or something like I, I saw that Josh Allen has the best QBR for any postseason ever and the best touchdown to interception rate. And Gabriel Davis is the first player with four touchdown catches in a playoff game. And I'm sitting here like none of that matters because <laughs> they lost that game despite them playing as great as they did. And I, I, I was joking saying like at this point, I don't even feel like a Bills fan. I feel like a Josh Allen fan because I just like everything i'm just like this guy he did it like he did what we asked him to do and they couldn't come through for him so like i feel awful for him and i i i ranked it as the second worst gut punch moment for me marcus as a sports fan the other one also by kansas city when the royals beat the mets in 2015 but the more i'm thinking about it this one this one might top it just because of how quickly it swung yeah, I mean, just the range of emotions from you know, being ahead to being down to being ahead to, you know, all of a sudden you're going to overtime. Um, yeah, that was that was just, like I said, as somebody who didn't have a rooting interest, it was certainly entertaining. I can only imagine uh, what that was like. And, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned your other big gut punches because that was going to be sort of my question is like just sort of talking about big gut punch moments as a sports fan because I, I watched that and 
for me, I, I immediately swung back. There were two things that, that popped into my mind. Uh, the more recent one was Andre Iguodala getting his layup blocked by LeBron uh, in Game 7 of the Finals. And then the Warriors ended up losing after winning 73 games in the regular season and having a 3-1 to one lead. Uh, in that series, they end up losing. Um, and my How? friend texts me. He's like, it, uh, he's like, it, it took a it took an amazing play by an all time great to beat you. And I'm like, that doesn't make me feel better. <laughs> I was going to say, how long did it take you to to get over that? Because I, I mean, we're only two days in, but like I I've never had a sports loss outside of when the Mets lost the World Series really stick with me more than like that day. You know, that one that one took a uh, you know a little while to get over. The one that that took me the longest to get over, and even now I I still I can't watch the game. Um, the 2006 Rose Bowl, and I'm sure Justin is probably smiling. So I know he's a, a Longhorns <laughs> fan. Um, but the 2006 Rose Bowl uh, against Vince Young in, in Texas, uh, I remember uh, I was I was at the Rose Bowl for that game. And I, I remember every night for a week because um, Lindale White got stuffed on a key fourth down. Uh, and that's what gave Texas the ball back for Vince Young to go down and score the game winning touchdown. Every night for a week in my dreams, I saw Lindale White getting stuffed on fourth down and I would wake up in a cold sweat just feeling miserable. You that makes me feel normal because <laughs> I, I I actually did struggle. Like I woke up in the middle of the night, I guess Sunday night into Monday, and I was just like, like I woke up and I was like 13 seconds. Like that was the first thing in my head. And like overtime, yeah, we, we could talk about the overtime rules and all of that. Overtime is a blur to me. Once the Bills <laughs> gave up that that field goal, I was like, this is it. It's yeah. it's over. Like they're going to lose this game. Yeah, and it just sort of felt like that. Once once the Chiefs came down and tied it, it just felt like, uh, I know Patrick Claibon would disagree with me, but it felt like momentum was all on Kansas City's side. I know Patrick doesn't believe in momentum. I, I do. Uh, and it just felt like everything was kind of rolling their way, and it just it sort of seemed inevitable. So, uh, you know, it's going to hurt. I'm not going to lie to you. It's going to hurt. And it, <laughs> what, what makes it hurt even more is that you work for the NFL. Um that game's going to get played a lot <laughs> on NFL Network. Um, I've always said the worst part about working at NFL Network is when your team loses the Super Bowl because they show the Super Bowl on TV every day for like a week and you can't avoid it when you work there. So uh, I have no I have no deep words of wisdom for you other than I'm sorry <laughs> and it's going to hurt for a while, maybe for a really I long time. <laughs> I think what makes it a little worse as well, too, because everything you just said is true. It's also the fact that, like, it, it's not like they lost to, you know, another. Like, it's the team that beat them last year that the Bills have for they've made no they have not shied away from the fact that, like, everything they've done for the last year has been about beating this team and to to have it and then to blow it like they did it. Uh, and and yeah. I know everyone says as long as you have Josh Allen, you have a chance. We've said that about a lot of teams and a lot of players. I mean, Dan Marino got to the Super Bowl in his second year and lost, and everybody's like, oh, well, he'll be back, and he, he never got back. So uh, there's no guarantee. Which, by the way, somebody asked me, I was on a podcast yesterday, and someone asked me, what do the Bills, you know, what do they need to do uh, to kind of get things, to, to get over the hump? And I was like, they need Patrick Mahomes to retire. Like, I don't know what else <laughs> there is. You know, they did everything right, uh, except they couldn't They couldn't defend for the final 13 seconds. So, um, anybody, anyway, if anybody out there listening, I, we would love to hear about your your worst gut punch sports moments. You can hit us up uh, on Twitter. You either hit us, uh, you know, at, uh, at NFL Podcasts or you can, you know, either me or, or Florio individually. But, uh, you know, 
always it's always fun to sort of share in misery with everybody else. So I uh, would love to hear about your your gut punches. Uh, we got plenty to talk about. We're going to talk some running backs today. Last week we went through quarterbacks and our sort of look ahead for the future with the quarterback position. Going to do the same uh, with running backs, but actually there were a couple of things I did want to talk about uh, that came out of this past weekend in the divisional games, uh, and a couple of them actually having to do with with quarterbacks. The first one, let's start with Aaron Rodgers, right? Because we sat here on this show and we talked about how it seemed like Rodgers was good to go, that everything was okay in Green Bay, and then you brought up the point that, well, it might depend on you know, what happens in the playoffs, and if they have a loss, they lost at home after scoring 10 points, uh, really, they scored seven on the first drive. They scored three the rest of the game. Uh, and now Rodgers is saying, I don't know if I want to be part of a rebuild. So was this the kind of loss that maybe, you know, has him back in Culver City auditioning to be the permanent host of Jeopardy? <laughs> I, I think so. And, and kudos to you guys, Marcus, because you the, the 49ers played a great game. D, Debo Samuel, man, I... I I don't know he's, what else that man can do. Man. <laughs> yeah. Like, like he literally can't walk off the field at the end of games, but he will win you that game. <laughs> um, but Aaron Rodgers, I, I think this is one of those losses. But the thing is, unlike the last two years, like two years ago, it was just like, hey, we got blown out. The defense, like they, they couldn't really stop anything. Last year was like, we should have went for it. We were in it. You could blame the coaches. Like this season... I don't think there's anyone you could blame but Aaron Rodgers. Like, the NFC was wide open for them for the taking. The Bucs were banged up. Uh, the, the the 49ers, like, that is a team that if you, if Aaron Rodgers is as Aaron Rodgers, the MVP quarterback like he is, he should have beat that team. And I, I think the NFC was wide open for the Packers this year. And the fact that they don't even win a playoff game. And two years ago, when they lost to the 49ers, Aaron Rodgers said, we need to get this game at home because it will be a different game. <laughs> it was low scoring, but it was the same result. So I'm thinking this could be one of those games that it, it just completely changes the the landscape for the Packers and Rodgers. But I'm I'm not thinking he retires. If he, I'm thinking he plays somewhere else. I mean, I think th- those are the, the two options, I think, on the table. I feel like at this point, you know, everything, all the goodwill that seemed to have been built up seems to have gone out of the window uh, with that loss. And you're right. They wanted that game at home. They got it at home after being what they were undefeated at home all through the regular season. They get the typical, you know, the stereotypical Lambo weather. It's freezing. It's snowing in the second half. And they just couldn't score any points. Uh, on top of it, their special teams let them down in a big way. Uh, the blocked field goal, uh, the blocked punt, um, you know, that, that goes for a touchdown. But a lot of it is, you know, the guy that everybody thinks is going to be the NFL MVP uh, couldn't score any points, um, just straight up. And so uh, I think it's going to be kind of a, a messy divorce there. And, and who knows whether he, maybe he goes to Denver, maybe you know the, the Broncos figure out a way to make it happen. Or maybe he just decides that, you know, him and, and his wife and Miles Teller and, and his wife are just going to hang out in Hawaii uh, and post Instagram vids all day. Who knows? It, but uh, it's, it's ugly. Outside of the four teams that are still alive right now, I think it's the most fun team to be a fan of is the Broncos. Because every time you open up Twitter, <laughs> there's a new all-star quarterback in, in a Broncos uniform. So that leads to Tom Brady. Um, you know, and, and after the Bucks lost uh, to the Rams, there's been a lot of talk in the last couple of days about Brady really weighing his options and deciding whether or not he's going to come back and play. Now, I don't, I don't think there's a shot of him going to another team. I think for Brady, the options are either he comes back and he plays with Tampa next year 
or he retires. I think I think it's just a, an A and B choice for him. Um, but but where do you think he's at? Do you think we have seen the last of Tom Brady in the NFL? I do not. I I, <laughs> I think this is the most real he's ever talked about retirement. Uh, he made it to his goal, right? He's forty five. Well, going to be forty five soon. He said that's what he wanted to play towards. But the. I think it'll come down to this. I think he's going to look at the Bucks roster and who they can retain and really break down if he thinks that he has a chance of winning a Super Bowl. But we keep talking about how all the great young quarterbacks are in the AFC. And if Aaron Rodgers is to leave Green Bay and go to Denver, like like we're all or retires, that just makes the NFC even more there for the taking for Brady. So I think Brady playing it like... Rodgers is probably going to win the MVP. I think you could easily make the argument, though, that Brady was the best quarterback this regular season and deserved the MVP. So he's playing at that high of a level with the chance to win a Super Bowl. I I don't think he's going to retire. I don't think he wants to go out putting Matthew Stafford over. So uh, I, I especially <laughs> in the way that he went out, like he re- erased a 24-point lead in that game. So I, I'm thinking we see him at least one more year, but... Maybe it's just the way I'm programmed to think, because I, I still really believe that Tom Brady's going to play until he's like 50, if he wants. I mean, it, it seems that way, right? I mean, the guy's coming off a season where he threw for, what, 5,300 yards. He had 43 touchdowns. I mean, statistically, it was one of the best seasons he's ever put together. And you're right. I mean, so they just come off a Super Bowl win. They lose in tough fashion uh, at home in the playoffs. I, I don't think he wants to leave that way um you know now if he comes back next year and and the sort of the same thing happens then maybe you you really do see him uh hang him up and because he will be 45 in august um but but i don't think he's done yet and and this is a team that's not done yet they are still uh, the best team in the nfc south for sure so that that automatically makes you a, a playoff team um and you're right let's see what happens you know what do they do they re-sign chris godwin what happens with leonard fournette ronald jones can they stay healthy this year or next year too because that was a big thing for them they, they had injury issues uh all year long that really kind of hurt them especially uh on the in that game against the rams where you know losing tristan Wirfs was a big deal uh, and trying to block guys like Aaron Donald and Von Miller and, and keep that that pass rush off of him. So I don't think he's done yet. Um, but but you're right. This is the most serious retirement talk I think we've ever heard uh, from Tom Brady. Uh, there has been a coaching hire, not a head coaching hire, but uh, a coordinator hire. The Carolina Panthers have added Ben McAdoo, the former Giants head coach, to their staff. Uh Initially, I saw it and I was kind of like, meh. Uh, I, I talked to somebody who was slightly more excited than me, so I'm more of a meh now um, for whatever that's worth. But but when you see Ben McAdoo in Carolina, what does this do for you in terms of you know Christian McCaffrey and the rest of that offense, which that was just miserable last year? Yeah, I, I'm – Similar to you, I'm like, meh. And I went back and I looked at the four years McAdoo had with the Giants, two as an OC, two as a head coach. In those four years, the Giants ranked tied for 29th in rushing yards per game. Uh, They did throw about 20% of the passes to running backs, which was league average at that time. They they were more of a passing attack than running. So uh, for Christian McCaffrey, look, I, I think that Obviously, McAdoo is going to change up some of his play calling and stuff to fit the players that he has. I still think Christian McCaffrey will get a bunch of volume. But being honest, like 
for a, an offense that has been struggling to be exciting for a very long time now, this doesn't really move the needle a whole bunch for me. Well, and I think on top of it, too, you, you've got to figure in some of the personnel. I mean, yes, McCaffrey hopefully is back and healthy and can get through uh, the bulk of the season next year, but you still have a real big issue at quarterback, right? I mean, Sam Darnold was awful for a good chunk of the year when he played. They brought in Cam Newton, who looked like a shadow of you know the, the former MVP. Um, you know, uh, DJ, because of that, their wide receivers sort of disappeared. DJ Moore was underwhelming. Robbie Anderson was kind of a ghost for much of the year. I mean, there are, there are some actual issues that need to be fixed in terms of personnel uh, before you can even get to these schemes. So, uh, I mean, look, hopefully this turns things around. We'd certainly love to have more Panthers back in our fantasy lives, but immediately this doesn't really move the needle for me uh, in a whole big way. So, uh, all right. Talking about CMC, I guess that transitions us nicely into running back. So uh, as we we start, want to you know remind you of the top five running backs from this past season. Of course, as always, uh, through week seventeen, not including week eighteen, and in the PPR format. So Jonathan Taylor, no surprise, number one uh, after his huge day, a uh, huge season rather. Uh, Austin Eckler at number two. So Florio, your two guys that you were on this year uh, finished one two in the rankings. That may never happen again, but I I, I loved it. <laughs> uh, not G. Harris is at three, Joe Mixon at four, and uh, playoff Lenny, although I guess he's off-season Lenny now, uh, Leonard Fournette is at number five. So, that got me to three questions I was thinking about when it comes to drafting running backs in 2022. The first one is, is it still mandatory, is it still necessary to take a running back with the number one overall pick? And I say that because not just Cooper Cup having his big season, but Devontae Adams, uh, was was you know, ranked above, scored above most running backs. Uh, Justin Jefferson was scoring on par with most running backs. There are a number of wide receivers up there. Uh, are we still locked in with a running back up top? I, I would throw Jamar Chase's name in that group as well of receivers that you could consider in the first round, but it's not. I, I wouldn't say it's mandatory to take a running back because I don't think anything in fantasy is mandatory. Like if you want to take a wide receiver at one overall. Go do it. But for me, I will still be taking a running back first. Uh, I I think this year I'm going to change my strategy up a little bit uh, and not really try to force getting multiple running backs in the early rounds. But in the first round, when you can get one of those guys who's going to give you 20 touches and Jonathan Taylor is a great example, right? Like Jonathan Taylor is not a lock to finish as the RB1 overall next season. But is he a lock to give you like you know, close to 20 touches every week and be a top five fantasy running back. I would say so. So like that's who I would take number one overall, uh, because once you get out of the early and it's not even like, you know, oh, in the third round, it's like for me, I think there's a big drop off after like the top 10 running backs uh, in terms of weekly production. So I want to ensure that I have one of those guys on my roster. So as I was putting this together, I mean, I was looking at the wide receivers and, and how they were scoring and, you know, compared to the running backs. And I think the reason I would still stick with a running back up top is, is basically just scarcity, right? It's positional scarcity. It's the fact that, you know, you can get wide receivers who, all right, not everybody's going to put up Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson type numbers, but you can get a lot of guys who can get you something similar to that, right? You can find uh, either low-end top-tier guys or high-end second-tier guys and and still be okay. Whereas you talk about that drop-off at running back after, say, the first 10. And I, I would say that even, you know, you look at the first three or four, there's, prior, there's a, a gap between them and everybody else, too. I think it's just that that lack of depth when you talk about the elite positions. 
uh, or elite players at the position that makes it worth taking a running back at the top. So I think it's it's an interesting conversation to have. I know for me, I still think uh, if I'm somewhere in the top three, maybe top four, probably still gonna gonna take a running back. But that being said, and you talk about changing your strategy, are you willing to allow zero RB or modified zero RB into your heart next year? I, I can't go full zero RB, but modified, I, I think I'm going to have a good amount of teams that are like that. Like, I think I will grab a running back in the first round. Maybe if I'm towards the end of the first round and I can get two of the like top 12 or 13 running backs, I'll probably still double down on running backs there. But if I'm in the middle or, or early part of the first round and coming back to me in the second round, I'm not going to do what I did last year and try to force a running back. Like I was taking guys like Chris Carson and Clyde Edwards Hilaire and convincing myself that, hey, if these guys hit, they can be an RB1. And it just, in a lot of situations, it would have been better off had I taken the wide receiver there. So I think this year I'm going to have a good amount of like modified zero RBs. Like start off, especially in redraft leagues where you can make pickups and stuff like that because there were a good amount of weekly running backs off the waiver wire it's just uh and like a best ball or something like that i'll probably still go running back early but in in these other leagues i think i'll get my stud running back then try to get some receivers maybe a kyle pitts or something like that and then in the middle rounds after the dead zone i'll get some running backs with upside I think that's that's sort of the thing about just a straight, pure zero RB thing, right? Because you're not going to take them early, but then you do get into that dead zone fairly quickly in the drafts, right? You're talking about round three and four, you're getting into that dead zone. So then you're still trying to avoid the position as much as possible. Uh, and, and I look, I, I know you can survive it. I know there are ways around it. It feels scary and it feels like a lot of work. Um, and I don't like to be scared and I don't want to do a lot of work. And so I think that sort of prevents me from going just a pure zero RB. I, I understand it. I, I know how it works. Uh, it's just not for me. It's not for everybody. Uh, I can certainly get down with a modified version of it. And I think that's what I did in a lot of circumstances this year. Although uh, I will admit, I think I took a couple of swings in the dead zone and, and missed out on Cooper Cup. Uh, that hurts a little bit, but you know, you live and you learn and you kind of get ready for next year. So I think, I think that's, that's sort of it. I know we'll have this conversation. I know this argument will happen on fantasy Twitter when we get to July and August because you know, time is a flat circle, uh, and all these things kind of come back around again. Um, last one, can you win with a running back? who doesn't consistently catch the football. And I'm not talking about, you know, giving you, you know, Pete Christian McCaffrey 90 to 100 catches or even give you the Najee Harris, you know, 74 catches from this past year, but just a guy that that isn't at least partially involved in the passing game. Is it possible to win with a running back like that on your roster? It is. It, it's just a lot harder. Um, and I, I think, like, the good examples of that is, like, Jonathan Taylor, who – is the RB1 this year, but had the fewest catches by the overall RB1 since D'Angelo Williams in, like, 2008. And then we've seen Derrick Henry have great fantasy years with, like, less than 20 catches. So I I know I'm talking about two of the biggest outliers out there, but (laughs) it is possible, but you just need to... Uh, And I'm someone who always preaches the importance of running back catches. But if a running back isn't catching passes, it just makes the margin of error so much smaller. And basically, to overcome that lack of catches they need a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns and something what like Jonathan Taylor did can overcome that but if he would have had 10 touchdowns instead of 20 we're talking about Jonathan Taylor as a bust even though he had a good year so it just you can win with it it just makes it even harder to do so 
Oh, I, but I think the, the fact that you mentioned two outliers sort of speaks to the point, though, about how difficult it is to win with running backs that don't catch the football. Because you, you do need Jonathan Taylor running for 1,800 yards. You need Derrick Henry running for close to 2,000 yards and getting you, you know, 15, 18, maybe 20 touchdowns. I mean, even the other guy, you, you mentioned, you know, Jonathan Taylor having 40 catches and, and being, you know, having the fewest catches for the overall RB1 in a long time. James Conner finishes in well into the top 10 with 37 catches, but 15 rushing touchdowns, 18 overall if you count the three rushing. That's an outlier as well. So I think I think it just sort of reinforces the idea that, yeah, it's possible, but you really do have to get a guy that you know can be above and beyond, or you just sort of strike lightning. I mean, nobody, uh, I think even the most optimistic James Conner fan wouldn't have predicted he was going to score 15 touchdowns this year. So, uh, I mean, I think it's possible. But I do think it, it really does mean that you have to find somebody who's really, really good uh, either just running the football or scoring touchdowns in order for it to happen. So not impossible, just really, really difficult is all. So it uh, feels like a good place to stop, take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, keep our look ahead going with running backs in 2022 next on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, so let's keep going and kind of looking ahead with another round of hype train or smoke screen. This one uh, all running back centered. Uh, I got four of them right here. The first one, Najee Harris will be a fantasy bust in 2022. And when I say bust, I don't mean that he's going to suddenly, you know, give you like, you know, 400 rushing yards or, you know, whatever, but uh, falls off a little bit that maybe does not live up to what his ADP is going to be. Uh, hype train or smoke screen there. I'm saying smokescreen there. Uh, Najee Harris proved to us that he can play, and the volume was king. I mean, almost every week he led running backs and snaps played. He was always up there in carries, and he led the NFL running backs in receptions this year. Like, And I know people are like, oh, well, Big Ben's retiring. Did, did you guys not watch Big Ben play this year? Like, <laughs> I, I don't think it could get a whole lot worse. And maybe Mason Rudolph is worse, but people are throwing out stuff as if Najee Harris is going to a new environment or something like that. Like, well, there's a bad O-line. That's what we said about him coming into this year, and he <laughs> proved us wrong on that. And if they get a new quarterback with a bad O-line, there's still going to be a lot of dump-off passes to Najee Harris. I think I think it's one of those things that we talk about a lot, Marcus. Talent versus situation and opportunity. I think the people who want think Najee Harris are going to bust don't necessarily believe in his talent, which... I don't care about if the guy's going to touch the ball 20 times and be on the field for 80% of the snaps. So to me, I, I don't see the volume changing with Mike Tomlin still here. So I, I think Najee Harris is definitely not a bust next year. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I think it's more of a smokescreen too. But, I, you know, all of those things sort of came into play. Like what happens if there's a quarterback that can actually throw the ball 15 yards down the field consistently? Does Najee see the same number of targets? Um, you know, although, you know, maybe that opens things up and makes him more effective as a run. Not that he wasn't effective as a runner anyway, but maybe it makes him more effective as a runner. And I think he still gets his targets. So uh, the situation is changing. There are certainly a lot of unknowns in Pittsburgh right now. Um, I'm still not completely sold 
that Mason Rudolph is going to be Pittsburgh's starting quarterback when we get to week one. We'll see. I but I, that's just that's just sort of how I feel about it. How about this one? And I've, I've heard this before thrown out, but um, Jimmy Garoppolo as the Steelers quarterback. I, I would I, I would like that. I, I think out of all the options, he's one of the better ones. Uh, he would definitely throw a lot of picks, I think, because he, <laughs> he gets away with some balls right now. But I, I think he would be definitely a big upgrade from Mason Rudolph. Unless, of course, he leads the Niners to a Super Bowl and then... You guys have that that issue deciding what to do. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be interesting. Like, you know, that's, that's still very much in play, right? Like, the Niners could win two more games somehow, and then Jimmy Garoppolo is sort of cemented in San Francisco uh, and delays Trey Lance for at least another year. Who knows? But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I, I have heard the Jimmy G to Pittsburgh theory a couple of times, and, and that would be that would be kind of interesting, I think, to watch. Um, next one, Alvin Kamara will no longer be an elite fantasy running back. By elite, are we talking like top five or an RB1? Uh, let's say top five. Okay, then I will say hype train. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I think he's somewhere in between that. Like, he's not in my top five, but he's definitely in my top 10 and 12. So my issue is the we saw the catches decrease a little bit this year the, the touchdowns like the Saints offense wasn't the same as it was it wasn't the same high powered offense so uh naturally Alvin Kamara was scoring like 15 plus touchdowns every year and that's going to make him a top 5 fantasy running back i do have concerns about that now in this new Saints offense which is it, it's anything but pretty to watch like it used to be and and we haven't ruled out the fact that maybe Taysom Hill is the starter here and we already know the concerns that that brings yeah, I mean, I just there's so many things for me to worry about. Like, I don't think he's a top five at all. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be completely surprised if he falls out of the top 10 just because you mentioned the quarterback situation. Is it Taysom Hill again? Does Jameis maybe make a recovery and come back? And does he take that job next year? Uh, the wide receiver situation, the pass catcher situation in general was awful this past year. And the offensive line was not great. Pretty much no matter which metrics you look at, uh, it was not a great year for the Saints offensive line. So there's a lot of rebuilding that has to be done around that offense. Uh, Kamara right now is sort of the centerpiece of it. But, you know, he's also not that he's old, right? He's going to be 27 in July. So he's not, you know, he's not old by any stretch of the imagination. But... Uh, you know, he does have some wear and tear on him, especially because the Saints have leaned on him so much. And unless they can fix a lot of things to give him some help, I think it just becomes easy for defenses to say, you know what, let's just take Camaro away uh, and see what the rest of the Saints offense can do. So I'm 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 worried about him. I know I have time to change my mind. Uh, but right now in late January, I'm I'm concerned about Alvin Kamara. Um J.K. Dobbins, who we did not get to see at all this year, unfortunately. I know everybody had big things pegged for him, and then he suffered the uh, injury and missed all season. Uh, he will return to the Ravens, and he will become an RB1 next year. Hype train or smokescreen? This is the hardest question of all of them for me. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I'm going to go smokescreen, but I keep going back and forth because I think he'll be borderline. Like, Would it surprise me if he's like the RB9? No. Would it surprise me if he's like the RB13, 14, something like that? No. I think that's the range he kind of belongs in. To me, he reminds me a lot of Nick Chubb. Like, he's a great runner. We know he. there's nothing he can't do on a football field. But the catches, and this is what we talked about earlier. Like, can you win with a running back that doesn't catch passes? 
Nick Chubb had his worst season in, in years because he was catching less than two balls per game. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, Lamar Jackson was throwing more to running backs this year. He still averaged less than five attempts per game to the position, which was outside the top 30 amongst quarterbacks this year. So, yeah, maybe there's some more opportunity there for Dobbins, but it's not going to be at the same level uh, as the other, you know, high-end running backs. So, to me, it kind of comes down to, are we going to get a lot of him and Gus Edwards splitting work like we were kind of anticipating this year? Uh, So, I think he definitely... He has the talent and the upside, and he's in a good situation to do it. But it wouldn't surprise me if the lack of catches maybe held him just outside the top 10 or 12. I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say hype train on this one. And I think he's kind of a fringe RB1. I think he just sneaks in maybe at the, you know 11 or 12, something like that. But I think um, you know if, if what we saw during the preseason, and granted we didn't see much of it, uh, was an idea of what the Ravens want to do, I think there's a lot of work there for him. And yes, you're right. I don't think they're going to throw to him as much as you're going to see. You know, he's not going to see as many targets as Najee Harris or certainly Austin Eckler or anybody like that. But I think maybe they start to work that in. And I know it's been a refrain that the Ravens have said for years. We're going to throw the football more. We're going to throw the football more. And then Lamar Jackson runs for 800 yards. But I do think that we're going to maybe see him integrated into the passing game a little bit more. So I, I have some optimism. I think if he can catch... 40 45 passes i think that's enough um you know and and we'll see what happens with gus edwards or any other running backs they have back there but but i'm going to be optimistic and say that uh you know jk dobbins will will have that year that we were expecting for him in 2021 um and maybe he ends up being sort of a draft value because maybe people are scared after the injury i don't know we'll see um last one this was mostly for fun uh, i feel like i feel like i know the answer to this one uh in 2022, we will again guess wrong about which 49ers running back that you want on your roster. Nope. Smokescreen. Because there's two <laughs> oh. running backs that I would roster. Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel. Like, I think that <laughs> is going to be the 49ers run offense next year, along with Trey Lance. Like, I, I think what Elijah Mitchell is, I mean, Trey Sermon... He's done, right? That's, like that's over. Yeah, that, they're not going. Over. They're not going to play him over Mitchell. I, I think maybe they bring back Mostert if they could get him for cheap, but he'll be like the secondary explosive back. I, I think Jeff Wilson and Jamichael Hasty are just guys they, they that do well in a Kyle Shanahan system. But Elijah Mitchell has thrived and he's been dominating work whenever he's healthy. So I, I would be very surprised if he's not the lead running back next year. All right. I was going to give it a hype train just because it just feels like every year it happens, right? That every year we go around and around and we argue and then, you know, we get to week five. We're like, oh, I guess the answer was actually D. Like, we, you know, so uh, I mean, you may be right. Maybe it is. Maybe it is Elijah Mitchell. Uh, I am. I am also sort of curious to see what they have in store for Debo Samuel next year. Um, I mean, obviously what he did this year has been amazing. It also came pretty much out of nowhere. It was totally unexpected. Uh, I wonder whether or not they keep that going, if, if this is actually a thing now, or if this was sort of Kyle Shanahan making do with what he had because they had to shuffle so many guys in and out of that backfield. So I think that's that's going to be an interesting question that, that we'll have to you know discover the answer to. But, uh, but maybe you're onto something with Elijah Mitchell. Maybe we have landed on a Niner running back. It also feels like a possibility is like the Niners win the Super Bowl and then like Debo just like ascends because like I mean he's he's carrying them right now. It it is remarkable. It literally is remarkable. And I know that like I said, he, he's he's probably not gonna get many and maybe he'll get a few votes for, for MVP, but it's hard to think of a guy who has been more valuable to his team, especially in the last 
what, six to eight weeks uh, than Debo Samuel has been for the 49ers. It's just, it, it's amazing to see what he has done for this team and how far he has carried them. So you, uh, it'll be interesting. This week will be interesting. You, you've watched a lot more Niners than me, but watching that game the other day, whenever it was like third and long, second, it was like, all right, they're going to throw a screen or something to Debo here. And there was no answer for it. Like he right. just kept running like unstoppable. I mean, it's just, you know, like when, when in doubt, just give it to Debo, you know, <laughs> whenever you need a playmate, <laughs> just give it to Debo Samuel. I mean, what he told Kyle Shanahan against the Cowboys, like, hey, just give me the ball. I'll make it happen. And he made it happen. So uh, it is hard to doubt him at this point. Uh, all right. Before we wrap this thing up, uh, let's do our, our dynasty check. We'll give our top five running back rankings. Uh, who do you have in yours? I think you could put these guys in any different order, but I went with Jonathan Taylor at one, Cam Akers at two, who has, I mean, he looks like the Cam Akers of old, so I'm giving him there. DeAndre Swift, uh, because I believe in his talent and all the passes he's going to catch, Najee Harris, and then Javante Williams. But I'll, I'll say this, if Melvin Gordon leaves and the Broncos don't bring in another running back, Javante Williams can move up as high as number two overall, in my opinion. And all of these running backs are 23 or younger so you have them for the foreseeable future yeah so we've got some of the same names i went J- jt at one no surprise there i did go cam Akers at two although i so at first i had javante at two i bumped him down to three and i put Akers at two although they were very close for me because i i am anticipating melvin gordon's not coming back and that this is going to be williams's backfield so i've got him at three right now Najee at number four and I almost had DeAndre Swift at five, but I did I did slide Christian McCaffrey back in there. I reserved the right to change my mind and flip-flopped him at any time. But I think that, you know, looking at that, that Carolina offense, um, I think they're still going to have to lean on McCaffrey. Maybe not as much as they did in the past, but I still think he's going to get plenty of volume. And this is just sort of me wish casting and hoping that he stays healthy. Uh, so I've got Swift at like 5.1 if you will, like literally right behind him. But, uh, you know, depending on how I feel, I might flip that around a little bit. So those are those are my five uh, my five dynasty running backs as of you know January 25th, 2022. Um, all right. So that's pretty much it. Uh, I mean, I guess that, I know we're going to talk some of this the championship stuff on on Thursday. Uh, are you will you be in a mindset to watch you know championship Sunday after this past week? I will. I will. The thing I was thinking about like yesterday and this morning is like the loss doesn't just hurt it's the fact that like we lose the like like bills fans lose the anticipation of like this week like i don't know i'm sure you're just like very excited for sunday and looking forward to it and now that's gone but i I will watch and i'm gonna root for the chiefs because if if the bills couldn't beat them i don't want anyone else to beat them Uh, (laughs) but I, i think we're gonna get four really good game uh two really good games by four really good teams yeah, I think it should be really, really entertaining. Uh, and I understand that, dude. If, if if we can't win it, then you know the team that beats me needs to be the champion. I completely understand that mentality. Makes makes plenty of sense. So uh, we will dive into that on Thursday. Have plenty more for you as well. In the meantime, that'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Get vax, wear a mask, do good, and live well. We'll talk to you on Thursday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.